HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at Heritage Radio Network. To the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guests are Dustin Wilson and Thomas Pastujak. Did I get that right? Crushed it. <laughs> Creators of Rebol Duron, coming to New York City November 17th through the 19th. We'll talk to Dustin and Thomas about their upcoming celebration of Northern Rhone wines, No Kid Hungry, and more. We'll taste, well, what else? a St. Joseph from the Northern Rhone for our weekly wine sip. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Master Psalm Dustin Wilson and sommelier Thomas Petushak live for wine. <laughs> Did I screw that up? <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get through this no, show. Dude. I'm calling Thomas Thomas from now on. TP. TP. Exactly. They are among the most highly regarded and respected people in the wine world today. Dustin and Thomas are award-winning psalms with a deep background in wine and service at the best restaurants in the country. Think 11 Madison, The Nomad, RN74, Colicchio and Sons, Frasca, and even more. You know Dustin from the movie Psalm. Both Thomas and Dustin now make their own wines, and Dustin is also pro- proprietor at Verve Wine, while Thomas oversees the wine program at The Nomad, both in New York City. They've created an ode to wines of the Northern Rhone Valley called the Rebol du Rhone, and it's a three-day event, November 17th through the 19th, and they are doing it to benefit the No Kid Hungry charity. 
guys. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Uh, when I saw that you were doing this, and I know you had it in the plans for a while, I reached out and I wanted to get you on the show because I love Northern Rome wines. I think we should talk about it more. You guys are the experts, and you put your heart into into this event. So we're going to talk about that a little. Um, Dustin, welcome back. Dustin's been on the show. Thomas, Thank you. this is your first time here. Um, I'm happy to have my two Syrah-obsessed friends across from me, so we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into everything, we had a chance for Dustin to tell us a little about, a little about his background. Um, Thomas, I want you to give our listeners just a little uh, background on where you came from. You know, a quick background on your journey in life, wine, um, and restaurants that got you to where you are today, which is Nomad and launching this event for the first time. For sure. Uh, well, I guess going way back, uh, I grew up in New York City, actually Queens native, okay. uh, now a Brooklyn native, I guess. Um, but I lived in New York my whole life um, and eventually made the move upstate New York to go to school. Um, I had a piano background. I was a classical pianist. Um, actually, Cornell, was, right? Yeah, went to Cornell for classical piano. Dustin uh, Thomas is a smart guy. <laughs> I know. I exactly. Know. <clears throat> I know. Or at least I sound, I sound smart, so <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll go with that. Um, but yeah, I kept pursuing music studies um, when I went up to Cornell, and then I was also pre-med. I was actually a neurobio guy. So. Dustin Thomas is a really smart guy. <laughs> go ahead. So we roll with that. Um, I was going to go to med school, but I had always worked in restaurants. Um, so for me, you know, paying off student loans, working as a bartender, uh, working as a server in college, that was kind of part of the thing. And uh, at some point, you know, going doing the applications for med schools, they want to see life experience. They want to see managerial experience. So I got really into uh, restaurant management and uh, got really into the wines of the Finger Lakes, which, which is where I was living. So eventually said screw it to med school because I totally fell in love with food and wine. Um, and then I've eventually made my way back down to New York City. Wait, can I ask you the obvious question? Was that popular with your parents? Oh, don't even. It okay. was like, you so know. the typical response. Yeah, exactly. Talk about right, like keep going. two immigrant parents who were, okay. they were not happy about that. <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah, I made my way back to New York because I said, you know what? If, uh, if we're going to do it big in the, in the restaurant and wine industry, New York is the place to be. And it was my home. So it was a pretty logical transition back. Um, and really kind of just jumped into a wine-focused role when I got back uh, at Colicchio & Sons. I ran the wine program there uh, for a year and uh, then kind of transitioned over and uh, and ended up opening up the Nomad, um, which is where I still am after you know, five years. What year was year. that when the that's, Nomad opened? Uh, let's call it spring 2012. Okay. So, so we're going on four or five years. Yeah. Five years. Yeah, five plus years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, since then, we've, you know, really grown that and started to make my own wine uh, in the Finger Lakes as well. Have a small Riesling-focused project called Empire Estate. Uh, make a little bit of old vine red wine with my wife, Jessica, and the project's called Tarasin. Uh So trying to get my hands dirty there because I actually, you know, would help out a lot on wineries during harvest, et cetera, when I was there. So wanted to sort of keep that connection. And the I also... Finger Lakes was a natural Exactly, place to go natural back fit. So, yeah. Maybe towards the end, we'll talk specifically about some of the wines. Yeah. You know, I want to hear about that. Um, all right. So that gets us up to date, right? I think so. Okay. That was fast. That, that is fast. That, can I tell you something? That is one of the best, fastest, accurate, included everything, there we go. you know, backgrounds. So Very well Kudos done. to you. Well Thank you. All, all about right. efficiency. So you guys created Raboul de Rhone, which is a celebration of Northern Rhone wines. And we'll get into the event 
a little later, but let's talk to our listeners about the wines. I mean, we're being very specific here. Mm -hmm. France has a lot of wine regions. The Rhone Valley is a very popular region. There's the Northern Rhone and the Southern Rhone. You've chosen the Northern Rhone. So I'm going to kind of throw it to you guys without getting too nerdy to sort of give our listeners, you know, a primer of northern rhone wines i mean what what do we need to know about that i know it's very general but you know yeah break it down for me i think um probably the first thing to talk about is is why we chose the northern rhone instead of maybe the the entire rhone and uh you know even though those two areas are are somewhat grouped together pretty often uh they couldn't be more different um in the northern rhone it's it's a much cooler climate um and the landscape is much more hilly and um very dramatic and the wines, at least the red wines, are, are all based on Syrah, where then you head into the southern Rhone and the landscape is much more wide open, lots of rolling hills. Uh, the soils there become more kind of alluvial. It's very rocky. Um, it's a lot more wide open and spread. Uh, and you have Grenache-based wines that are ba- that are blended. Um, so Grenache with Syrah, too. Grenache with Syrah, but it's more about the Grenache and, um, and the blending, whereas in the northern Rhone, it's more about, you know, Syrah... Most of the time on its own, or maybe it's got some a little bit of um, like Viognier or, or some white grapes blended into it. Um, so the wine regions themselves are very different. You know, the Southern Rhone is, is where you get into Mediterranean climates and warmer weather and more sunshine. And, um, you know, it, it's just a totally different area. So for us, we, um, I can't speak for Thomas, but we, as sommeliers, typically tend to lean towards slightly cooler climates. We like hilly areas. We like wines with acid, uh, less alcohol, et cetera, et cetera. They tend to pair well with food, uh, which the Northern Rhone brings. And um, we feel that it's, a, it's an area that is up and coming, uh, but it's still fairly underrepresented in the market. Let's, and we'll get into it. Some uh, very well-known makers, though. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Not a lot, there's a lot of guys that are not new to the game. But certainly still not as famous as places like Champagne or right. Burgundy, et cetera, right. et cetera. So, so, so Thomas, let's talk about... So that's the Northern Rhone. Um, specifically, you know, a de- very different region than the Southern Rhone and, and other wine areas. But let's talk about the Northern Rhone. And I think if we talk about specific regions... Um, I think people may start to go, oh, yeah. So talk to me about, you know, the different regions, the Saint-Joseph, you know, all the sure. areas that make up. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of specifics <clears throat> that you can go into with specific producers and the locations of their vineyards. But, you know, generally speaking, when you think Northern Rhone, you think about Appalachian names like Cote Roti, okay. a very famous uh, roasted slope it translates to. And um, it's very, very well known for its uh, sort of much more powerful, uh, really sort of intense uh, surrounding. Syrahs, and as Dustin was mentioning, Syrahs that are, you know, at times blended with a little bit of Viognier. Um, you might have heard of Condrieu, which is basically the motherland of great Viognier. Viognier, this, you know, amazing white grape, which is often very floral, um, you know, and often has aromatics that will remind you of your, you know, grandma's uh, bathroom soaps, for right. instance. Um, so stop for a second, because I want these words to go by. So Viognier is V-I-O-G. N-I-E-R. So that's Viognier. Viagner. Viagner, which is a good way to put it. And we're talking about these very muscular red wines, but you said they're blended with a little of this white wine. The other thing we mentioned, we said Viognier, and what else did we say? We didn't mention it yet, but Marsan and Roussan are the two greats. All right, so keep going. So that's Cote Roti, 
which mm-hmm. literally translated is roasted. It's the roasted slope. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's if you if you sort of try to imagine it, um, just imagine a you're on a hillside and you're facing south, and you're on these terraced vineyard sites, and you have these individual wooden stakes, you know, that are holding up single vines of Syrah, and it's a very very steep pitch, but you're basically uh, there's nothing obstructing you. You're just facing south, which means you get sunlight all day long. Right. Um, it's just very well known for having that really great sun exposure, and you know, hence the name. So even though the north is a little cooler season-wise, mm-hmm. those slopes can get pretty hot in the season, I guess. Well, right? they get great, just great exposure, as you right. mentioned, it's because the exposure. of the exactly, right. yeah. So you get a lot of direct sunlight, which really helps. All right, so that's Cote Roti, mm-hmm. Condrio. That's what I wanted yep. to spell. C O N D R I E U. You got it. That's the region that makes the white base Viognier wines. Always 100% Viognier, yes. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. and also used for a little blending in some of the other wines, Correct. right? Mm-hmm. All right, so we covered Condrieu, Cote Roti. Run me through the whole... I think we're going geographically here, right? Go so ahead. we'll uh, kind of head a little bit farther south, um, and we hit the uh, the terroir of Saint Joseph, or Saint Joseph um, is how it would be, you know, more easily pronounced on the label there. But um, that's a pretty big area right now. Um, but Saint Joseph is originally based on just a couple of small villages um, that were basically just planted to Syrah, and you know, similar to Cote Roti, you know, have this amazing exposure. They're very high altitude, dramatic hills, like Dustin was saying, that just overlook this river site. Um, so Saint-Joseph is actually probably one of the <clears throat> excuse me wines that you'll see more than anything else because the appellation, the a- amount of acreage under vine, it's really, really big. And so a lot of wine is made from there. So you're more likely to find a Saint-Joseph in your store than you would a Syrah based, a Syrah coming from Cote Roti right. or even, you know, a Viognier coming from Condrieu based right. on what we've just talked about. Right. It could be very much considered to be like a, a, a lower class appellation. Um, um, I guess you could say, uh, compared to at least Cote Roti and Hermitage, or, and maybe to even a certain extent, Cornos. Well, we'll get into it. There's some great guys But there are some wine. awesome, awesome yeah. wines. I think it's one of the more exciting areas in, in the Northern Rhone at the moment. Sure. All right, so continue down the map, Thomas. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we'll probably just jump across the river here to an appellation that... Uh, that I, I think came across was one of the first appellations of the Northern Rhone that I heard about when I was first getting into wine, and that's Hermitage, spelled Hermitage. Right. Um, and that is really kind of considered this, it's this amazing site where the Rhone River kind of meanders its way down south, eventually makes its way to the Mediterranean. But when you're in the Northern Rhone, and when the river is going down and you're passing the hillsides of Saint-Joseph, all of a sudden it kind of makes this very sharp east turn, and then it makes another sharp turn to go south. And so basically, if you imagine that river kind of cutting down across and down again, it carved out this uh, really incredible hillside. Again, this very singular site now known as Hermitage, which is, um, you know, planted to Syrah. Again, that's the, the buzzword varietal that we're talking about in the Northern Rhone. And then some whites like Marsan and Roussan, which are... M-A-R-S-A-N-N-E. Correct. Roussan, R-O-U-S-A-N-N-E. Yep. Two okay. S's, Two S's, but... Yeah. But Two close. S's. Okay. Yeah. But if you look up Northern Rhone and those varietals, you'll easily right. find it. Um, yeah. And Hermitage is kind of considered uh, really, I think, probably the most heralded uh, appellation in the area. It's just very, very famous um, for having produced these very long-lived wines for years. There's families, one of whom will be featured at Raboul de Rhone, um, that have been in the area since the late 1400s, which is crazy when you think about, you know, a Napa Valley, you know, and right. the history of Napa Valley and how, right. how long that's been around. For. Who are we talking about? Shav? Yep. Okay. Jean-Louis Shav. C-H-A-V-E. We'll get to him. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so her, Hermitage is sort of the grand crew of the area, or the premier crew. It's definitely, it's definitely you know, a up grand there. Crew, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> keep going. There's also a Crow's Hermitage, different region. Yeah, there we go. Crow's Hermitage kind of continues there. It's on the east side of the uh, the Rhone River. And so here we're basically, it's Crow's Hermitage because it uh, a part of that land actually is attached to where the hill of Hermitage is. Um, and so that kind of is where the name originally came from. But generally speaking, it's actually kind of, as opposed to these really sort of intense, dramatic hillside vineyard sites, it goes a little bit higher up in altitude and you get a lot more of these alluvial plains uh, where you have vineyards that are planted. But, you know, still that sort of, you know, you're getting that same character of Syrah, right. um, and you're basically seeing Syrah-based reds and uh, Marsan-based uh, whites. Right. All right, so we have, I want to get through this, we have a couple more areas. Cornas. Cornas, mm-hmm. baby. Go ahead. That's actually... You, you want me to jump in here? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I get to talk again? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Wait, Dustin, you... hold on a second. Wait. I'll okay. keep you go. talking, right. Dustin. Um, all right, so Kornos. Kornos is a little further south. It's actually just south of where uh, St. Joseph ends. And um, so you're further south from Hermitage, but not very far. Uh, and back, we're back on the, um, on the western side of the river. And it's a small area, and it's a really interesting place because it's actually fairly removed from the river, where a lot of the other Appalachians are kind of right up next to the river itself. Um, and because of that, it, it's a much warmer place. Uh, it also has the, a very high proportion of granite soils, which Syrah loves very much. And uh, one of the unique things about Kornos is that it's the only Appalachian that, by law, has to be 100% Syrah. Right. Whereas all of the other Appalachians in Northern Rhone can blend in white grapes. This one cannot. Is that like an ancient law? I mean, a years-old law? Well, it's, it's just, no, since the AOC was created, okay. um, that, that region has always had to have been 100% Syrah. Um, so they, they, those wines tend to be um, very firm, very burly, very animal, um, the most tannic, uh, kind of the most rustic of the Northern Rhone. But right. they are, yeah, like kind of like myself. <laughs> I was pointing at Dustin. I was waiting for someone to say it. Is, is there any sparkling wine coming out of... Uh... The Rhone, not not there. Important. Technically, is yes. Uh, <laughs> however, um, you know it's, it's do, not do, necessarily focus our focus it. at yeah, the moment. Exactly. Yes. All right. So I know from my own experience that Northern Rhone wines, and I know each region varies. You know, typically has a certain style and characteristic profile. Yes. There's two or three descriptors that always come up. Mm-hmm. How would you describe as a group? Rhone wines. When people first smell and taste them, what are the obvious things? So I, I personally, I'm, I'm a really big fan of aromatics. Um, I like aroma in wine, actually, probably a little more than I like palate impact. Um, so for me, I love that the way wine smell. You, you know, right. and uh, I think that's a reason why I love Burgundy and kind of more aromatic varietals, which Syrah actually re- is as well. Um, so. I think for me, when I think about Northern Rhone wines, it's an extremely aromatic type of wine, but it's a much different aroma profile than you get in, in other wines. It's very distinctive. It's got these black pepper and smoked meat and salty olive kind of um, character to it. Floral, rose petal, violets, that kind of stuff. Um, it's a very savory kind of wine. It makes you hungry. It's like salty on the palate. Right. It makes you want like food. Yeah. Savory is, you know, a great word. Yeah. Olive always comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Green Correct. olive, olives. 
Um, some people say bacon, smoky bacon. Smoky bacon, mm-hmm. black pepper. But definitely, yeah. you know, that meat thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when we taste the St. Joseph, we'll talk about what pairs with everything. Um, do you, are you excited about any particular one of those regions? Like right now, I mean, are you tasting yeah. through stuff? I think uh, as we kind of mentioned a second ago, Saint Joseph is for me okay. probably the most one of the more exciting areas there, and, and we could maybe mention Cornas too. But mm-hmm. um, I think the reason I like Saint Joseph quite a bit is because uh, even though it is a larger appellation and there's a lot of producers, um, and it's it's kind of thought of as this redheaded stepchild area, right? Um, and there are a lot of reasons why that we could maybe get into, but. Um, there's also a number of really fantastic producers that are there, and you can drink really awesome wines give me, for give me a couple of producers. A fraction of the cost. Uh, well, the one that we'll have tonight, Shav makes some great Saint Joseph. Uh, so Shav p- makes a knockout Hermitage. He makes expensive, the best Hermitage. But, but then he makes <laughs> makes the best Hermitage, sure. and then he makes a great value He's wine. He's got a great Saint Joseph too, and it's interestingly, his family when they first started planting vines, the first place that they planted was over in Mauve, which is in Saint Joseph. Right. Uh, so the history going back to the late 1400s started in Saint Joseph for them, but. Um, uh, Monier Perrault is another producer that will be featured at the event uh, that I think is mm-hmm. making okay. really incredible wines. Um, the, the hot guy right now is, um, or the hot estate, I should say, is Pierre Gonon. Um, G-O-N-O-N. G-O-N-O-N. Yeah. Um, who Jean Gonon and his brother Pierre, who are running a property now, I think are making probably the most exciting yeah. wines out of the Appalachian. Uh, but Thomas, there's, there's do, you, do you agree with St. Joseph or... There are other regions. Yeah, I, I definitely do because we love so many of these other regions. Um, you know, Cote Roti, Hermitage, those are such heralded regions right. now. And they've been known for nobility for so long that, you know, the price is often reflected. You know, these are these can be more expensive wines. And, you know, to boot, the best ones are very hard to get. They're allocated. Right. Uh, so, you know, when you get a store or a, or a, a restaurant that has those wines, it's usually just a, a few bottles. So it's harder to get and the price of entry is a bit higher. So I would fully agree with Saint-Joseph. And in addition to it, I kind of would just you know, double down and say that at some point, originally that Appalachian, that area was just a few small vineyard sites on a few very special hills that were known for making really incredible wine. And um, then all of a sudden the vineyard land sort of blew up. They were allowed to, you know, plant Syrah in in adjoining areas that didn't have that same dramatic terroir, didn't have that same exposure and those wines could be called Saint Joseph, and so that kind of deteriorated the reputation of the right. area because you did have a lot of sort of more bulk producers uh, kind of coming in. And so, what's cool is now there's this kind of resurgence, this renewed focus on not only those old top domain um, that are in the area, but also you have sort of newer guard who are coming in and you know producing remarkable wine. So I think that the 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 story, maybe a little bit of the underdog approach. I love the fact that it's kind of going through a renaissance right now. Right. Agreed. Well. Agreed cheerleaded by you guys in a lot of different ways and you know in a minute or two we're going to talk about um, the event that you're launching but I want to finish up with a couple things we talked a little about white wines I mean do the white wines get the due they deserve it's such a red dominated wine area I mean do you do you ultimately say Thomas okay, would like to answer this Tom, question Thomas has his hand up let me finish the question <laughs> you know if you're going to drink white wines they have their 
you know, merits, but you might as well go somewhere else. Or are they interesting, you know, wines to drink? What's your take on that? Um, I'll just make a couple of quick points here. You know, Viognier, we now see it around the world. Uh, South America. You see it definitely in South America and South, uh, sorry, in um, Australia. It's extremely popular in California, you know, and it came from a very, very small region and it became famous because these really intense, powerful floral white wines were made from there. So the origin story is is an extremely important one. You have varietals like Marsan and Roussan, which their structure is not known to come from the acidity in the wine, but rather the sort of glycerol, which is this kind of rich, weighty, textured, alcoholic nature. So so, um, you know, it's actually, especially in the world of sommeliers who love high acid, screaming acid wines right. like Riesling, uh, we love Chablis, we love Champagne, you know, that doesn't exactly sound like the type of wine that, you know, a sommelier is going to get excited about and, you know, necessarily put, you know, really get, try to get their guests excited about. Um, but again, there's, there's real nobility to these wines. The Chave de Men, the Hermitage Blanc was a more famous wine than the Rouge, uh, for a very long period of time. And these are white wines that can age extremely well. Um, the thing is they take on this intense weight and power. So there's a lot of history there. I think that the very best wines are incredible and they're very ageable. Um, but at the same time, I think that what I've liked <coughs> using them for, um, is there's a lot of people who love California Chardonnay, who like richer, waxier white wines from California, and you know some people who haven't had uh, many French white wines. And I think I think that Northern Rhone whites are a really great gateway wine to getting someone who loves California but doesn't know much about France interested in France. So I love that having that in my tool belt. So that's that's a good reason for people to go out and you know try some Northern Rhone wines. Um, <clears throat> one last thing. There was an article today by Eric Asimov in the New York Times touting Northern Rhone wines. I don't know if you saw it or not. <clears throat> he was not very... Yet. Sorry, Eric. He was very positive about it. It's good timing for you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys are blessed in that way. When you get a chance, read it. He talks about the value and some of the new guys and all of that. So, Great. Fantastic. Thomas... And Dustin, I want you to read it. And our listeners, if you want to know even more, which we'll, you know, continue to talk about it, you could read that article. All right. I want to talk about the event now. And that's really the reason why I brought you in. Now you know a little about the wines. Let's talk about how you really could sort of get into it. Let's do it. So the event is called Rubol de Rhone. It is... Coming you up. Almost got it. Rabul. <laughs> Rabul Duron. Rabul Duron. Rabul Duron. Rabul. Rabul. R E B O U L E. Rabul Duron. And it is November 17th to the 19th, right? Correct. Okay, so let's set this up. How, why, and when did you guys come up for the idea for this? So I love telling the story because it was so uh, organic and authentic in the way that it, it happened. Um, so we were traveling over to the Rhone. Uh, we were visiting domains as we do in the spring. This was a uh, spring of 16, so a year and a half ago. And um, we were at uh, visiting Andre Perret, uh, who has this wonderful little small estate. Um, technically, his winery is in Saint-Joseph, but he's kind of in the northern part. So he makes Condrieu, makes some great white wines. And uh, we're barrel tasting with him, and he's uh, just kind of randomly mentioned how he's a little ticked off that um, there's these events in the U.S. for Champagne and for no Burgundy love, and right? for Riesling and for right. Sherry, and there's all these wines that get a lot of love in the U.S. Uh, with, with events, with regards to events. 
and uh, that the Northern Rum doesn't get any. And, Good you know, for him. Yeah, you know, it was great. You know, he's in front of a bunch of, you know, or a handful of American sommeliers. And Nobody could disagree, decides really, right? Decides to, to vent to us. and <laughs> <laughs> Right. And I was like, you know what? You're, you're damn right. And, uh, you know, Tom and I kind of look at each other and we're like, hmm. You know, you were being, both on the trip together. <laughs> yeah, yes, we were both yes, together. yes, yes. We were, we were together tasting, okay. and uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. I think we're both the types of people that, uh, when an, an opportunity and when a uh, an idea kind of pops in our heads, we're uh, not going to let it let it go. And I think the rest of that tasting, as we were sitting with him, you know, going through the rest of the cellar and tasting through bottles and whatnot, we couldn't stop talking about this event. And uh, like, you know, if we did this, what would we want to call it? And uh, that's what actually does, where what does Rabul mean? That's where the name came from. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we were chatting with Andre as we're tasting wine at his place. And, like, you know, we can't get our minds off this thing. I think we should really do something. Uh, but we need a name for it to, like, kind of get this going. And, um, you know, is there something that happens here in the Rhone that's very special, that's very kind of just um, characteristic of the area that you guys do? Is it a celebration or something, a party that happens or, or whatever that, um, you know, is meaningful to this region? He said, oh, well, well we have the Rebul. And we're like, oh, what's what's the Rebul? Yeah. What <laughs> and uh, it? apparently it is the, uh, the harvest meal that's had uh, amongst the winery staff, the winemaker, uh, everyone who kind of helped with that year's vintage. And they get together at the end of harvest once all the work is done and kind of the wines are are on their way um, and they get together and have a great meal and celebrate and open a bunch of wine and enjoy each other's company and, and camaraderie and whatnot. And uh, we were like, ah, it was like a one hit, yeah. one hit, like one swing and we got it. And yep. it was great. It was awesome. So Thomas, when you guys got back from the trip, did you jump right into it or you get distracted from your day to day stuff and you toss it around I mean, did you did it get going pretty quickly? I mean, I would say, you know, when you get back from being in, you know, France for nine or ten days, tasting wine at a bunch of different wineries per day, eating, you know, very dense meals, and, uh, you know, you're not on your computer and email, <laughs> you get back from that uh, for nine or ten days, and you're, you get pretty busy. So, I think we had that uh, initial period when we got back, and we had to reset and get back into our lives but then i think you know maybe a couple weeks later we're like hey let's uh let's let's talk about that let's remember revisit we it. talked about that thing exactly <laughs> so it was it wasn't long after no it was no, pretty no. it was pretty quick after and you and i were talking i mean it's taken a year plus to really put the pieces together yes um let's talk about the event all right so it's rabul duron there you okay. go okay. i got it right all right so this is an event that these guys put together as, as an ode to their favorite wines. Mm-hmm. It encompasses dinners, tastings, speakers, after parties. Let's break it down. I mean, let's tell people. There's a lot to uh, talk about here, Sam. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. let's, let's bust through it. I mean, let's get to the important stuff. Right? Yeah. Should we uh, kick off with our, our dinner with our friend Jean-Louis yeah. Chauve? Yeah, let's I do it. I think that's above a lot of people's heads. but Yeah. And, but, and, and, but and actually. It, 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 it's sort of a signature thing. I think so. You know, um, we wanted to have a series of different events at different levels uh, in terms of um, certainly cost of entry. And we'll talk about this is all for charity, which is a very, very important well, thing. I want to talk we'll towards go into the that. end about the actual um, charity. But we wanted to really have sort of a headline uh, dinner where we had, you know, an tr- amazing producer of, of great pedigree, of great clout from the region. And so um, in our on our second trip to the, to the Rhone, we asked Jean-Louis Chave of Hermitage fame if he would do a, a dinner with us where we could – 
um, work together to pick some incredible bottles of his family's wines, but specifically from his cellar, as right. in not wines that are here in the U.S., but right. things that have been sitting, you know, basically in their cellar in Mauve um, since they were created and, and create a really, really special dinner for that, which um, we did end up creating and that's on friday the 17th it is now sold out which we're you know very blessed for um the the entry price is is quite high it's a four thousand dollar seat right. dinner um but again you're you know good people who are coming to this event are going to be able to taste you know quite a bit of wine from that domain going back you know some 60 years um, right. which is really remarkable and, and new york's no stranger to these very well staged wine dinners at that price point exactly and, you know dustin and, and i again we're talking that you know, there are dinners with other people that are two, three times that much. So to get into Shav, to get into a cellar, um, to be paired with some great food, you know, I mean, collectors and aficionados, you know, really gravitate towards that. So that's Friday. That kicks mm -hmm. off. And then Saturday is really the busy, busy day. And I think everything you're doing kind of unravels on Saturday. Saturday right? is, is definitely the big day uh, that starts off with a really exciting seminar on St. Joseph. Um, since we've been talking about that, um, we're, as, I think it's obvious we're very excited by that particular appellation. And we've got um, two people, uh, Jean-Louis Chave, who, as we mentioned earlier, his family has really fantastic holdings of St. Joseph. And they make a, a couple of really great wines. In that area, uh, and then Pierre Gonon uh, domain. So we've Two got Jean, rock stars. yeah, Jean Gonon and, and, and McCartney, and, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Jean Gonon and then uh, Jean Louis uh, leading the uh, the seminar. Thomas and I will be up there for color commentary. And now, uh, are there still? tickets is there still access so to see this, these guys this Let's is actually very unique <clears throat> in the sense we wanted to make sure that we had some a couple of things throughout the course of the weekend for the Package. sommeliers and the industry people okay because uh <coughs> you know thomas and i have worked a number of these events and um you know there is a uh, an element of you're sacrificing your time and your energy to participate in these things and we wanted to make sure that we gave back a little bit to all the people who are helping so um, this is actually f mostly for industry, okay. and then we've uh, held back a few seats for the package holders, so okay. people who are buying kind of like the, the whole weekend pass or like the entire Saturday pass or something like that. It'll play out why you want to uh, sort of stroke the sommelier force, you know, when we get through the events. Yes. yes. Um, so those are the winemakers. Mm -hmm. They're going to speak during the day. Yep. Um, those are, you know, earlier day events. Mm -hmm. And then there's an opportunity for the public mm -hmm. to come and sample a lot of the winemakers we talked about and many more. So yes. that's kind of a grand tasting. Yeah, that, and I think that's <clears throat> probably, um, I mean... We, there's a lot to be excited about, but I'm super excited about the Northern Rhone tasting. And that's, you know, on Saturday and it's from one to four. Um, basically, it's, it's this amazing opportunity to walk around and taste the current releases from all of these heralded uh, domains that we're bringing over. What um, vintages are we talking about? So basically, we're looking at 2015, uh, right, which, which is, is a, a spectacular year. vintage. Yeah, basically everywhere. So to in jump France. into this and taste 15s and even in their youth, right? Exactly. Yes. And you're going to be in front of the winemakers. You're in front. Right. of the demand right um you are you have sommeliers from around the world who have come and who are you know donating their time to be able to pour with these demands and so you that's get where to, the psalms start exactly. their work that's where so three things where is it are tickets still available 
and the cost of entry? It's at 180 Maiden Lane okay. in the financial district downtown. In, in downtown. It is $100 a ticket. Which is a great value to great. taste through some of these wines. And can people still get in there? Yes, yes. they can. Okay. For sure. And did I miss anything between the speakers and the grand tasting? You have not. That's okay. It. We are on, on, on okay, task Okay, so that, that's sort of the... That's one of the real fixtures of you have the fancy dinner, you invite the public into sample wine and meet the winemakers, which mm-hmm. Thomas, you said. And it's a bigger deal to some people than others. But that doesn't happen, an aggregation of those guys in one room. It's, so never, it's I, never happened. I, I, I must say, well, yeah, no, for I, I Northern say, I think that this is the first time that this number, at least that I'm aware of, that this number of Northern Rhone producers have come over to the U.S., or at least in New York, to uh, get together to do something like this. Right. So you'll, I, 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 you've never been to a tasting like this, guaranteed. Right. All right, so it, that day culminates with a dinner, right? Yes. And tell me where the dinner is and describe it, because this is a very cool event. Sure. So uh, this is the La Raboule. This is the, this is the, the, big, the big dinner, um, the whole reason to do this. Um, and it's in the same space. It's actually in the same building. Right. So... Um, the the area that we're doing this is actually a really beautiful um, atrium of this building, and it's naturally segmented into two different uh, sides. And one side is where the tasting will be during the day, and then the dinner will be taking place on the other side. And um, this is where the winemakers will be dining amongst all of the guests. Uh, they've also brought more wine for this dinner. Right. That are uh, of older vintages from their domain, so they've sent over wines directly from their cellars. Again, um, with do you invite the attendees to bring wine? Yes, we do. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so the idea bring... here is to celebrate and kind of share things together. Uh, we've right. got really fantastic lineup of chefs, uh, which I'll mention in just a sec. But it's a uh, five course dinner where everyone will be greeted with some champagne. Sit down. You're sitting amongst the winemakers. They've brought some wine. You've brought some wine. Um, the idea is to kind of share those wines and bottles amongst each other and have a great time. Uh, and then the chefs that are cooking will prepare one course each. We have uh, Marcus Glocker of Batard. We have Daniel Hume of the Nomad and Eleven Madison Park. We have Abram Bissell of the, of the Modern. And you just uh, added. Dan Kluger of Loring Place and Daniel Rose of Le Cuckoo. How come you couldn't get anybody good? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are really. Yeah. I, I mean, if you talk actually, about guys at the top, top of the. I mean, Le Cuckoo, James Beard Award winner. Hum, you know, number one restaurant. Yes. You know, Glocker Batard has, you know, been. It's, it's in a, you know, an amazing lineup. Kudos yeah. To yeah. You guys. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And, and, um, you know, we've been working really hard on it. And when every now and then when I say that lineup and you kind of take a step back and look at it, you're like, that's, it's pretty badass. Yeah. yeah um, so <laughs> now, it's cool that we did is it. the dinner still open to the public? It is. Yes. Uh, those seats are, are dwindling quickly. So if you are interested in that, um, it is $600. So it's not cheap necessarily. However, again, if you compare this to other dinners of its caliber, I think it's still a tremendous value. It is a tremendous Um, value. And uh, those are are going quickly, but there still are seats left. Um, And again, remember, it's all for charity. Right, which I'm going to talk about after we come back from the break. But a couple more things. Um, That, I guess, the Shav dinner, the tasting, and the dinner are really, you know, the, the major events. 
Then there is an after party that night and a party the next day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys don't want to give it up, right? No. Yeah. Well, one <laughs> the to, to speak about this a little bit more briefly, I guess, the after party, it's kind of actually inspired by the fact that when we've worked a lot of wine <coughs> events in the past, you know, you finish service, the chefs are breaking down, the sommeliers are breaking down, and the guests and collectors are like, okay, what's next? What are we doing next? You know, everyone just kind of goes in different places, and you want to keep the party going, but uh, it ends up sort of breaking up and so we're like let's just keep the party going and so we're flipping that early daytime space, space where we were doing the tasting into an after into party. a big after party where there's going to be multiple bars uh, preparing cocktails i'm going to have chartreuse pouring which is of course you know sommelier That'll catnip make pee-pee cr- people crazy exactly <laughs> chartreuse, right? yeah we have uh, we're gonna have a great dj it's gonna be a lot of dancing and it's honestly just an opportunity for um you know the sommeliers and for the winemakers and the attendees all to celebrate together right now that the dinner is over and you can buy a ticket to that too that's 75 dollars. so right. you can come just for the after party uh, and you know, sort of see everyone Which in their finest form. Pretty ha- right, <laughs> a pretty happen, and I'm sure all the winemakers will trickle in and everything. So you, oh yeah, you no, get shop pretty, pretty loaded in the corner. Oh yeah, I um, want shop dancing on tables by the end of the night. And, oh, sure. <laughs> and then there's a rooftop party on Sunday. Yeah, the rooftop party on Sunday is actually at, at uh, my now home at Nomad. Nomad. So Nomad Rooftop. <clears throat> and that's basically like a sort of a send-away lunch. Uh, and so that's an opportunity where, again, this is uh, for the sommeliers, for the winemakers, and for package holders. So for those who have bought a package for right. uh, the entire weekend um, or for the Saturday package where they get a chance to sort of rub elbows with the sommeliers and the winemakers. And we're just going to have a lot of great Nomad food, uh, home dogs, burgers. Um, we're going to have a really delicious sort of lunch brunch that's setup. Event too. Yeah, and we're going to be bringing a bunch of wine, not only from the event, but also from personal sellers there too. Much more casual and a, yeah. and a time to just have everybody hang out. So and everybody's enjoy going to be company. pretty whipped by then, correct? <laughs> so. we, if we if they're not, we haven't done our job well, right? <laughs> um, and now you know why Thomas and Dustin do a little thing for the sommeliers because they didn't mention that there's a whole force of sommeliers, the best people in New York that will be servicing all these events. They'll be pouring, they'll be serving at the dinner, they'll be at the shop dinner. So it's I guess a, it's you, a long weekend. You and, throw a little love, give them too. a little seminar and all yes. that. Plus, they get to be involved in all the parties. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Dustin Wilson and we're talking to Thomas Pestushak. All right. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want the guys to talk about why they're doing this and they're doing it for a charity. And we'll talk about that a little. I want to subject them quickly to our wine list. And then before we leave, we're going to taste a little Northern Rhone wine. So you're listening to The Grape Nation, and we'll be right back. is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, 
the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. All right, we're back. We're back with my guests, Dustin Wilson and Thomas Pestushak. And we're talking about the event they're staging on November 17th through the 19th, the Rubul Daron. Um, these guys put a lot of sweat into this, and it's not for nothing. They are giving 100% of the proceeds to a charity, and I want you guys just to quickly tell me why you picked the charity, um, you know, why you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very admirable thing. So let's let everybody know, you know, what the charity is. Sure. Uh, the charity is uh, No Kid Hungry. Okay. Uh, with Share Our Strength. Um, and to jump into it, I mean, I personally have worked with the charity probably for over 10 years. You've um, been a wine share director? Exactly. Uh, I started in my early days when I was still a bartender. I helped out at events when I was still living in the Finger Lakes. Um, and then eventually moved when I was in New York City, helped out uh, with a couple of larger dinners, was their wine chair for No Kid Hungry for a couple of events where we kind of got Dustin involved. And um, No Kid Hungry, if you haven't checked it out it's an incredible incredible organization and they obviously do great work we don't realize it living in new york city especially um you know where we're we're, most people are in good shape but you know in the u.s one in six kids will go hungry and um you know kid hungry does a a lot of work to sort of combat that and you know kind of focusing on where children are learning so in the in the school area and so obviously providing you know healthful nutritional food um in the school capacity likewise where they play making sure that kids have nutritional meals um when they're in after school programs etc and also through um, through education in their homes and uh, sort of being able to provide uh, food and cooking education for families that are a little bit are in the low income bracket. Um, so it's an extremely important cause. And, um, you know, uh, Dustin and I now have been working with them for a couple of years. And the way that this sort of sort of came to be, too, was that, you know, we realized that there's a lot of uh, events. There's a lot of focus on wine in our world. But, um, you know, we still think that there can be a little bit more effort put into charitable purposes and using our platforms and using our networks and opportunities in the wine world and really do good with that. And that's how we decided, you know, from the get-go, Ripple Durham would be all for that. Kudos to you guys. I mean, it's a great cause, and I know you're putting a lot of work into this, and I think you're going to be able to write a nice check to these guys, which is a good thing. That's the plan. Now, Thomas, if people want to know more about the charity, is it as simple as nokidhungry.com or is it Share Our Strength? Where, where should people go? If you go? Google either of those two, yeah. it'll I take mean, you I mean, just right Google there. No Kid Hungry and all of that. Exactly. All right. So, you know, in a way, we can end that segment by saying that's why these guys are doing it. Besides their love for wine, you know, kick it back a little and uh, help. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to morph into our wine list. I'm going to subject you to this. It's a bunch of questions. Don't dwell on them. Our listeners love to hear what guys like you think and drink and all that stuff. So let's do two things. Let's do it quickly, and wherever you can keep it in the context of Northern Rhone wines, answer it that way. You don't have to fabricate it. But the first question always is, what are you drinking now? What's on your table? What are you tasting through? Is it seasonal? What have you, you know, quickly, 
What are you drinking, Dustin? Uh, Northern Rhone. <laughs> okay, I mean that's that's obvious. <laughs> but the, same with you, Thomas. You know, obviously, Northern Rhone is going to be okay. Open. And Finger Lakes Riesling. <laughs> okay, and Finger Lakes Riesling. That's fair enough. That's kind of like a dumb question. All right, give me. I usually ask, give me your favorite wine and food pairing. Let's limit that to your favorite Rhone wine and food pairing. Oh. Uh, gosh. So we're talking these, you know, muscular Syrahs and stuff. Yeah, but oh, go ahead. I would say I would keep it basic. We just had this. Dustin and I just had this at a, a lunch uh, at our friend's restaurant at Prime Meats. Uh, we had a bunch of sommeliers together, and we were eating dry-aged beef with, you know, back vintage cut roti. It's a, great uh, and great with meat, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Is there another? If, I, if I'm going to go more on the casual front, which I like to do, um, a nice juicy St. Joseph and a, a good burger. Burger. Uh, mm-hmm. It was some bacon and cheddar. Would there we be go. That's, right that's on the money. a perfect thing. All right. Your favorite wine restaurant and or bar. All right. <laughs> favorite wine restaurant and or bar. It, oh, normally, normally, you know, we just ask you that. Yeah. But is there an answer where there's a place where there's even more attention to Northern Rhone wines that trumps mm. out another place? Not that I'm aware of. Um, most so of give the, me your favorites. Mine currently would be uh, a great little place in Soho called uh, Compagnie de Vins or Naturel. Ke- Caleb. Caleb Ganser. Very popular Killing place. that place. It's yep. great. It's, a, it's really fun, and it's somewhat close to my place of work. So I agree. It's a good spot. Thomas, you have a fave? I'll keep it geographically close. Uh, I'll say Pasquale Jones, amazing spot, which you know has incredible pizza, and uh, you know you get to drink some really really great wine out of Zalto stems, you know beautiful stemware, and you know it's a great place to go for just a you know a great pie, or you can sort of build it out and do a bigger menu. But it's an awesome spot. I, I agree with both of those, and I'll throw in the fact that if you want some great wine drinks, the Nomad bar is a pretty I've heard that place is okay pretty happening yeah. place to go to um, we're very excited all right the cocktail program favorite, especially <laughs> the, the normal que- we guys will you pay attention please <laughs> the, when the show's over you could sit in a cab and play all right <laughs> listen to me i'm i'm I, hungry for pizza i, I usually ask right people favorite all-time wine but let's talk thomas's and dustin's Favorite all-time Rhone wine. Uh, I'll let Thomas go first. On this is that's like that's a give me one question. or two. How many kids do you have? One. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite kid? Okay, <laughs> now give me your favorite wine. Um, that is a really really hard question. I will. You know what? It doesn't have to be singular. But give me one of your faves. A fave. You know what? What stands out? Um, how about we go with. Um, a newer discovery, a, okay. a, a newer a domain that's slightly newer to me, um, and that's Monier Periol. Okay. Uh, it's an estate that we're featuring uh, during Raboul Um It's a sort of amazing amalgamation of beautiful single vineyard sites, um, and it just is sort of this expression of Saint-Joseph that's, you know, peppery and irrespective of which cuvee, um, and they make an, an assortment of them, and they're all just really lovely and beautiful, and they've only been around for a couple of years, um, basically a coming together of two different domains holdings, and so I kind of just love it because, you know, the wines are still extremely affordable, they're right. very approachable, they drink beautifully when they're young, so you can be drinking in the 14s and the 13s now, and they're just delicious. Um, so, yeah, I would say, you know, really anything coming from the Monier Perriol de Men. Thomas? This guy doesn't even bring up, like, a jamais coat roti. He comes no, up with... I know. It's okay. Yeah. Give, uh, me, give me a favorite. So mine, I guess if I had to pick a favorite wine from Rome, Rome 
uh, would have to be Shav, okay. Jean-Louis Shav, Any Hermitage. vintage that knocked you off You know, seat? I've had a lot of really excellent vintages from, from that domain, um, but as far as what's most memorable, perhaps, is drinking the 79, because that's my wow. birth year. And, uh, and it lived up to you know, the it's, it's a vintage that's not necessarily uh, looked at as with, with great acclaim, necessarily. Right. Um, but like all Shav wines, I think actually one of the fun things I really like about the domain is drinking the quote-unquote off vintages. Right. Um, drank well. 79 was great. It's an awesome wine. That's a good one. Um, and, and Thomas, you're right. There are some great... A lot of people answer fancy wines, but a lot of people answer great value, you know, newer, you know, wines. Um, so I appreciate both of those answers. All right, so my son Ben is sitting here. He's going to a dinner party. Um, he's got some money, but not a ton. Um, he wants to impress and bring wines. Um, I ask people the general question, give me your best wine retail recommendation, 15 bucks and up. Give me a red and a white. So the context now is recommend to him a red and a white. We're going to stay in Rhone. What's he bringing where he's going to get the bang for the buck? Around, around $15, 15 15 to 20 Do you know your retail prices, Thomas? You know what? I can go ahead and uh, <laughs> let me uh, go ahead and recommend uh, Cote de Rhone from Franck Balthazar. Okay. Great producer. Also, Cote de Rhone tends to be a value. Tends to be a great value, yeah. Okay. And, and Balthazar is one of the great... Exactly. So that's our red. Mm-hmm. Dustin, you have anything or you anything to add to that red wise? No, I mean that's, that's a very good one. Uh, okay. it, it, this one would be a little more expensive, but right around the twenty dollar mark is um, uh, a producer that's joining us for the Rebull is Maxime Graillot. G R A I L L O T. Correct. Okay. Uh, and he makes a wine under his own label called Demain de Lis. It's a Crow's Hermitage that's right in that range. Okay. I think and he really comes fantastic. from a good wine family, right? Yeah, he does indeed. All right, do you have a white? Is that tougher because whites are more limited? Can you get a Viognier for that, or is there something else? Hmm, for that price? Maybe uh, the uh, Vin de Pay from Monier Perriol. Um, okay. You know, they make some yes. sort of regional designation, right. uh, which I think is, is delicious, but um, that one's a little bit more challenging to do in that price range. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Good recommendations. All right, I, I wouldn't let you guys leave without just confirming or reconfirming your favorite Rhone region. <laughs> if you were sent to prison and only could drink wines from one Rhone region, what prison's going to let you drink Rhone wines? What what Rhone region? Ooh, uh, I mean, man, it's a region, yes, not a producer. Region. Region. Producers way too. Oh, man. I don't know. Just pick one. It, it is tough. You know what? We, we haven't talked about it Give me two. Much. We'll mention Cornas. Cornas. Cornas? Cornas might be it, actually. Yeah, the Cornas? reason I ask you is, the reason I think you would answer is because it's the most interesting to you or there's a nuance to it why you would pick it. So does we are Cornas... So, we're so deep into it at this point that okay. we're like trying to balance producers and, you know, and styles. <laughs> okay. I just threw out Cornas because um, it's, you know, uh, until recently, it was still, you know, very much in that sort of under, underdog sort of category. Right. You know, it's, it's a smaller appellation in the area and just like delicious, spicy, briny Syrah and, um, you know, wines that can age, but are also delicious when they're young. And, uh, you know, that I would just had a 09 Jabolais. Cornas, Ein, whatever, I, you know, I suck mm-hmm. at French. I think it was young. 
Cool. You know, yeah, and the wines are, you know, they're not the cheapest wines in the Northern Rhone, not but they're crazy not super either. expensive nope. either. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of they're big very good showy producers wines, there. though, you know, for a dinner or whatever. They're, uh, they're intense wines, but they're very delicious. All right. So those are Thomas and Dustin's wineless picks. We'll post them on our social media site. They'll go up on Facebook, they'll go up on uh, Instagram. So if you want to follow some of their recommendations, you'll be able to do that. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up the show. We always wrap up the show by drinking a little wine. Benny, will you start pouring this out? Um, every week we taste a different wine on air. For our weekly wine sip this week, um, I asked Thomas to pick a wine that would be representative of the region and the um, Rabul Drone coming up. So Thomas brought in a... 2014 Shav, who we've been talking about all show as, you know, one of the great producers. A Saint Joseph. Thomas, how do I pronounce it? Ophiris? You got it. Ophiris, which is one of their Saint Josephs in a great kind of price point, right? Not mm-hmm. too crazy. Uh, the wine retails for about 35 bucks down? Yeah, exactly. I think okay. you, you find it for a little bit less, um, you know, at a lot of other places. but And it's available at better wine shops, exactly. guys who know what they're doing. For sure. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. So I was going to ask you to tell me a little more about the wine, the winemaker. We talked about St. Joseph, so we know enough about that. We certainly know Shav is a rock star. Um, and anything about this particular wine we should know? You know, I would throw out that the reason why we brought it is because it's accessible and, you know, in flavor. It's, it's super delicious. Um, the price point, you know, for the wines of the area, they're very fair. And, um, you know, you can find the wine um, in more places. It's a slightly right. more uh, higher production wine. Which from the, is, from I the asked end. you so that our listeners can sort of exactly. taste along and experience. All right. So let's give it a sniff and throw it over the tongue. I'm going to ask you guys, the experts, to help me with the descriptors. I'm going to look at the color and say kind of a ruby, deep ruby, right? Deep ruby is a great descriptor for that, I think. Okay. Nice nice color, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's go nose, guys. It's got all that classic, like, uh, salty bacon, smoke, pepper. Mm -hmm. It smells like charcuterie. So, like you said, classic. Yeah. The bacon, the spice by way of pepper. Oh, yeah. It smells you said salty. charcuterie? Yeah, it like smells all like all salted meat. Varied meat, salted yeah. and all that. Yeah. All right. Um, what about any... Do we get olives on this? Is there any floral to this? Or I'd say pretty, yeah. 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 I mean, very floral. Like, I'm getting a lot of, like, sort of purple and white flowers. Like, it's very... Uh, violets, Violets, maybe. very aromatic. And, you know, there's almost kind of like a cool like briny kind of character that plays off of the charcuterie thing so mm-hmm. maybe you get a little bit more of that sort of olive tone there right. sort of dark yeah, especially and on the palate the palate is pretty well, let's, salty let's go mouthfeel first yeah. okay say a medium mouthfeel yes yeah this not, is uh, not especially a medium the, plus uh, it's, it's got a nice feel it's not unctuous no, you know this is the 2014 vintage not 2015 which the 15s are, are a much bigger more powerful vintage the 14s have a lot of elegance which I, I personally really really like uh, so this is more of a medium weight wine it's got some freshness it's got some acidity it's also very accessible right now I think right. it's super delicious so let's let's go palate we'll finish with palate what are we getting on the I'm getting it's a juicy wine Mm-hmm. I'm getting black and blue fruits, mm-hmm. even though it's mm-hmm. red. What else? Yeah, the fruit character, I think, is important. It's very juicy and crunchy and very fresh fruit character. It's not, like, roasted and heavy. It's, no. it's extremely refreshing, um, you know, which you got to love about it. There's a lot of acidity there. It's, so it's, I was going to ask you, this wine has good acidity, yeah, for which sure. makes it's it a good food Very wine. bright, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so let's talk about it. What foods pair well with this? Did we answer well, that we question? Mentioned, uh, we mentioned burgers earlier. I think roasted Could meats, you, especially mm-hmm. game, you know, mm-hmm. venison, um, you know, stuff like wild game, uh, lamb, It'll stuff like that is, is, and hold is up really well great with this sort of thing. Yeah, braised meats, especially this time of year, too, where we're getting into cooler weather. We're getting into... Yeah, wintertime. These, this are, is, good uh, these are great wines. Yeah. Um, so I ask everybody, do we like these wines? Do we love them? I mean, how do we feel about this wine? I... I I love it for what it is because I like the region. I like the price. I like the freshness, the acidity. You know, yeah. it's got a lot of fruit. You feel the same way? I think for the complexity for the- that you get out of the wine, um, the price point, the fact that this is uh, a Shav wine, and for how delicious it is, it's really hard to find uh, a combination of all those things. So I love it for that. Yep. Uh, Thomas, thank you for bringing it in. My pleasure. This is Thank you, the Thomas. 2014 Shav Saint Joseph, one of the regions we've been talking about. Ophiris, which is the specific uh, wine that we tasted, about 30, 35 bucks at better retail stores. All right, guys, we got to wrap up the show. I just want to do a shout out. My friend Sev Peru at the Ten Bells is blowing uh, it out for the Raw Wine Fair um, coming this weekend. She's doing three massive events at um, the Ten Bells, the fourth and the sixth. She's going to be having about 15, 20, 30 winemakers each night. So you could sort of mingle with those Can guys. I make a quick plug for the Raw Wine Fair? Yes. I'll we're get actually uh, we're hosting a, uh, sorry to go off topic. We're no, hosting no. A, a, a great little tasting with a winery called Bishi, uh, which is um, this located is where? in Tecate in Mexico. Awesome natural wine producer Where from are Mexico, you doing this? Uh, at Verve Wine at my wine okay, shop. Okay, so Thomas, and we could talk about it quickly because I was going to ask them to... Uh, Tell me what else is going on. Thomas owns a wine store downtown called Verve Wine. Dustin does. Dustin. I'm looking at Dustin. I'm looking at Dustin. I said, Thomas, Dustin, and you know I knew that. Dustin's a yeah. Dustin one. owns no. the store, and he's got a lot Thomas of the wines is, yes. we talked about. Obviously, there's a lot of Northern Rhone wines. Um, so give me the event again. Yeah, so it's with Bishi. Great, uh, really cool, newish uh, natural wine producer out of Mexico. Don't write it off. The wines are awesome. Okay. So come try them. Saturday, this coming Saturday afternoon, starting at 1 p.m., uh, Noel Tellez uh, will be there, the winemaker, along with Jose Pastor, who is his importer. Right. Great. Uh, great and importer. it'll be really fun. Super casual. Bunch of wine open. Some snacks. It'll be really, a good time. All right. So if people want to know more about Verve in the event, vervewine.com? For the Ribul event? No, for just this, the Verve thing. For this event, um, I would say go to actually the the, uh, Raw Wine website, and they've got it posted there as part of their itinerary. So that's Sev's event at the Ten Bells. Um, If you have a question, a wine happening, like a few of the things we talked about, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's samatthegrapenation.com. Follow the show on Facebook at The Grape Nation. Like I said, we'll post Dustin and Thomas's wine list, and we'll mention the wine that we drank. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at sbenruby, Twitter at benruby. All right, so Dustin and Thomas, this is important. If people want to get more information and purchase tickets for the Rebul de Rhone, where do they go? Ribulduron.com. R E B O U L E D U R H O N E, one word.com. Correct. Okay, it. and, and it's a beautiful website. I've been on it a lot. It breaks down every event, it talks about the charity. So if you want to know more about the wines, the winemakers, there's a little information there. Um, Thomas and Dustin, if we want to follow you guys on social media, 
Where can we follow you, Dustin? At Dustin Wilson MS. Okay. And Thomas? It's at Thomas Pustushak. That's how you say it. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> um, all right, so that's Raboul Duron coming up the 17th of November, a couple of weeks away. That's why I had these guys on, so you can know a little more about the wines and the event. There's still some tickets available for the events that we discussed. Rebulduron.com. Um I think that's it, guys. Awesome. I, I thank you for coming in. Thanks for having us. I thank you for throwing in this event and throwing the proceeds to charity. No Kid Hungry. That's a great thing. We're so excited. Yeah, and I, I wish you, you know, the most success on this event, and I hope to see you there. Absolutely. I hope you let me in there somewhere. <laughs> it definitely will. All right. Thanks so much for having us yeah. on the show. I right. really appreciate the support. I thank Dustin Wilson and Thomas Pestushak. Okay. We're getting there. <laughs> that was probably the best one yet. That was the best one. Killed it. Uh, I want to thank our engineer, Vitor, and I also want to thank everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.